As I said earlier, the title of my message this morning, I've called Fear, Friend or Foe. Uh, Fear, Friend or Foe. Uh, And there's a message in the title, which uh, I hope is always the case, uh, because I want to ask the question this morning, um, is fear helping us at the moment or is it hindering us when it comes to how we're living our lives? Fears and phobias... We seem to have so many of them and it seems that according to the research I've done, we're constantly making up new names for them. Did you know that palatophobia is the fear of baldness and bald people? It, apparently so. And chatophobia is a fear of hairy people. So I don't know if you've the cause of any of that phobia this morning or whether you suffer from it, but apparently that's the case. Leverphobia is the fear of objects on the left side of the body. Apparently there is a phobia for that. And then dextrophobia is a fear of objects on the right side of the body. Apparently that's been uh, determined. Odontophobia, what do you think that's a fear of? Teeth. Odontophobia is a fear of teeth. I don't know how that works. You might have to talk to people with your lips closed if they're suffering from that. Graphophobia is a fear of writing in public. So I'm assuming the faggoters aren't suffering from that, so that's good, because they're writing there. Graphophobia, fear of writing in public. Calipraphobia is a fear of obscure meanings. Have you ever heard that one, in? So I don't know whether you're sweating at the moment because of what I'm telling you, but you might have calipraphobia, fear of obscure meanings. And then, believe it or not, they've also come up with Phobophobia, which is a fear of of being afraid, apparently. Phobophobia, a fear of being afraid. So uh, there's lots of different types of fears, and fear makes people do strange things. It's said that the Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin feared for his safety so much that in his residence in Moscow it had eight bedrooms and that each night Stalin chose a bedroom at random to ensure that no one knew exactly where he was sleeping uh, so that he wouldn't uh, succumb to an assassination during the night. Louis Pasteur is reported to have had such an irrational fear of dirt and infection that he refused to shake hands with people. Uh, Apparently that was his problem. And US President Benjamin Harrison and his wife were so intimidated by the new fandangled electricity installed in the White House that they didn't dare touch the switches if, they were, if there were no servants around to turn off the lights when the Harrisons went to bed. They slept with them on, apparently, according to my research. So that would have been a while ago now. So fear does make people do strange things. Fear does have its funny side, however... Uh, One summer night during a severe thunderstorm, a mother was tucking her son into bed. She was about to turn the light off when he asked in a trembling voice, Mummy, will you stay with me all night? Smiling, the mother gave him a warm, reassuring hug and said tenderly, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A long silence followed and then the little boy finally said, The big sissy. So fear makes us do strange things. We can see the funny side. We've got lots of different names for it, but speaking seriously, fear 
at times does take a severe toll on us. According to research that I found during the week, people's top fears rank in this order. When people are asked what they're afraid of the most, they come up with this list. Speaking in public is number one. Before, a fear of dying, financial ruin, spiders and snakes come in at number four. So that's what, uh, that's what people come up with when they ask what they're afraid of. So the question I want to ask this morning, going back to our title, is um, is fear and a fear of those things and anything else that we might be afraid of, uh, is it a problem? Uh, does it matter if we don't shake hands with people because we're afraid of getting sick? Are we in fact protecting ourselves? Is fear our friend or our foe? And the answer is to that, it depends. <laughs> now, you might have thought, well, of course you'd say that, but that actually is the basis for the rest of the sermon that we've got here today. And the answer to that is it depends. Now, you might be interested to know that the Bible actually has a lot to say on fear, a lot to say about fear. Some topics the Bible doesn't touch on at all, but fear is one that from the start to the end comes up repeatedly. Uh, The word fear appears in the latest NIV translation 336 times from the start to the end. So fear is addressed by the Lord uh, repeatedly. Uh, on many different levels. And one expression that many of you have been reading the scriptures for a while would be aware of is the one, do not fear. And that's one that repeatedly comes out. I want to talk a little bit uh, for a moment about why uh, that is so important because uh, it seems probably it's true to say that all of us at different times fear something. That Fear, whether it's something on that list or or something else, at some stage fear uh, is there in terms of something that we're anticipating is going to happen or or that we're worried about. Um, But God is repeatedly giving us a challenge and is repeatedly saying to us, do not fear. Now, uh, whether you're a person who would identify yourself as someone who's very fearful or or maybe not so much, but occasionally, um, when you hear the phrase, do not fear, you might be thinking, well, okay, that's, it, that sounds good, but I'm not sure if I'm a person who can put that into action. But what I think the Lord is leading us to understand is that we actually have something to do ourselves when it comes to fear. That the, the banishment of fear... Uh, there's something on us that we need to uh, take a hand in. Now, the good news is that God's done far more for us when it comes to fear. Uh, And I'm going to talk about that as we go forward. When the scriptures talk about fear, you could probably identify perhaps three different types. Uh, You've got practical, protective fear. So that's, you know, when, uh, you know, you do see uh, a spider and, uh, you know, it's, it's approximately eight inches wide and uh, it's got fangs. And you look at it and you think, I, am, I will move away from that thing. So uh, you don't pick it up and it sinks its fangs in and you die. You know, it's a, it serves a purpose, that fear. So that's practical protective fear. Then there's a fear of God versus a fear of people. Now, 
This is a biblical concept where it's not telling us to be afraid of God, but to respect and to acknowledge the fact that he is God, that that ignoring him and rejecting him has a consequence, and, and therefore we, we respect that compared with um, fearing uh, what people think of us and allowing that to outweigh our respect and our acknowledgement and our following of God. So the Bible sets up at times, if you like, a contest between those two things and obviously we're encouraged to fear God more than we fear the opinions of people. And finally then there's enslaving fear. So this is a fear that perhaps might appear to us as rational or uh, you know, common sense, but really... It's, it's a fear of things, whether they're on that previous list we had up or not, that really goes beyond uh, what we need to be practically or protectively afraid of and it affects the way that we think and act. It, it enslaves us. Now, here's the thing with, with that final one because that's the, the target of my message today. You may be a person who is absolutely aware how fear enslaves you. Like you may be able to say, that's me, I'm fearful all the time, I, I am afraid of this, you might have a list, this is what bothers me. And it might be easy for you to say, that's me, Pastor, and I'm ready to hear this message. <laughs> I really hope it says something to me. Or perhaps you're, you don't think of yourself as a fearful person, but... This message is still for you because I think today the Lord wants us to take a stock take on, what, on what's driving our thinking. Because even if you're a person that doesn't instantly think of yourself as being fearful, I think the presence of a fear mentality in our world, and I believe that's driven a lot by the, the Lord of fear, if you'd call him that, or the, the evil one, the presence of a fear mentality can sometimes leak into people's thinking, including followers of Jesus, that it then starts to affect some of the choices you make, uh, perhaps the way that you feel, and your, even your following and your outworking of God's will for your life. So that's why this message is for everyone here today. And I'm going to stick myself into that. I don't think I'd normally think of myself as a fearful person. But as I reflected on this material uh, on Friday, I really felt the Lord start to challenge me with some of my thinking and the way that fear had become attached to some of those things that I was reflecting on. And it was a really interesting process and I know on Saturday yesterday when I got up and was thinking more about uh, what I was going to be speaking on, I really felt God had lifted a lid on some fearful thinking and then instead of saying, well, you better cut that out, there was a flood of peace as I moved from saying, well, that fearful thinking's wrong to then accepting and receiving the peace of God. So I'm believing, folks that this morning's message is far more than a, a, me saying to you or God saying to you, do not be afraid. I really feel that the Lord wants to leave with everyone here today a gift of his peace. Now, is there anyone here today 
that really doesn't need peace in their life. Just let us know, raise your hand, you can go and make a coffee if you want. But what I'm saying is, surely we, no one rejects peace. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of God to everyone here today. And I really feel that God wants to give that gift today by revealing or, uh, if you like, taking the cover off some fearful thinking that's crept into your life that maybe you don't even know is there, or now that I'm talking about it, you've got a bit of an idea of what it might be touching on, and that's going to be released in you today. And we're going to finish our service with a time of prayer, and you might be thinking, now I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> I'm out the front this morning, because I, I want someone to lay hands on me, and I'm, I'm casting out fear today. I, I, want, I want the Holy Spirit to bless me with peace. And I really encourage you, if that's you in that category today, make sure you're part of that prayer ministry at the end of the service. Because whether it's protection from fear or, or it's, it's a fear for someone else sort of thing or someone else's fear, God can do amazing things when we lift the lid on that and when we start to speak into that here this morning. And I feel that's what he wants to do. Now, as I said, 336 mentions. We'll be here for a long time if we look at all the scriptures about fear. We're not going to be able to do that this morning. However, um, it was really interesting. I picked up Judy's Life Application Study Bible and had a look at you know what it had under fear. And just you could read through that list of scriptures, and and you'd be a changed person after letting God speak to you through those scriptures. The, the key ones about fear. It, it was a fantastic list. If I asked you. Uh, when it comes to verses or scriptures about fear, which one comes to mind first? Can anyone give me an answer to that? Like, Philippians 4.6. 4, now you're going to test me now. Now that's, that's about, uh, I think that I've got that here somewhere. So that's where it says, do not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. So that's using the word worry. Worry and fear are pretty similar, but I'm going to preach a different sermon on worry next week. It's related, but uh, anyway, you're quite right. So that's a good answer. That, that, that's one that comes to mind. Anyone else? Fear. You instantly think of this verse. Fantastic. So uh, that is, Carol, be shame if I didn't know the verse that you were talking about. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 1 John 4.18, fantastic. I've got both of those. We're going to finish with that one because that, that really is talking about the love of Jesus coming into our hearts where we, the fear of condemnation and punishment leaves us. And that's how we're born again in Jesus. But sometimes... <laughs> Our birthright gets threatened and that's, that's part of the ministry that's going on today. We get out with the fear. That's what we're saying today to the evil one. We're casting him out. Anyone else in terms of a scripture about fear? Romans 8.29. I'm so glad. Oh, now hang on. What does that one say? I was in Romans 8 but I hadn't got to 29. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I'll take you to Romans 8 in just a few seconds' time, John. 
but that's a good one. Look, I, I thought of um, uh, the one I came up with when I first thought about it was uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, For the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Some older translations use the word fear, uh, but uh, that was a really one that I thought of. And of course, Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, so that was another one that came up to me. But I want to talk to you today about Romans chapter 8 because there's a very important mes- mention there of the word fear alongside of the word slavery. And it's that fear that I want to speak to today. <laughs> um, one of our ministries is no slaves. <laughs> no human slaves, but no spiritual slaves here as well. And in introducing this concept, the Apostle Paul says something that is interesting and we're going to try and follow it back to find the root of your fear this morning. We're going to try and take the roadmap back to where it comes from, what's affecting your behaviour. Firstly, he says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, after talking about the death of the Christian to sin and that being their past life, he says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So that that part, that obligation, the power of the old life over us is gone. And he goes on a few verses later to say, for you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So when it comes to fear, the Apostle Paul wants us to understand something that's very important. Often when it comes to reflecting perhaps on what you might call the acts of the flesh or the sinful nature or many of the things that we do wrong, the Apostle Paul setting up an idea here that a lot of those temptations that we give into and fall victim to can find their way back to the presence of fear inside of us. So when you look at perhaps a mistake you've made or a sin you do wrong, maybe it's something in greed, uh, when you were greedy, uh, I want to suggest that it's possible that often they were actually afraid that no one's going to take care of our uh, financial needs, uh, that some sort of disaster is going to befall us in relation to that. And that tempts us out of fear to hoard things to us and to be greedy. Sometimes we just think, oh, well, that person's greedy or, uh, you know, I'm greedy and, you know, I just, it's a problem I have. But we're not aware of how fear might be driving that greed. And that's something that, that the Lord wants to speak to this morning. Maybe uh, sometimes when we're angry, we're fearful that nobody cares about our goals or our desires uh, or the way that we feel. And we feel like we've got to get angry Uh, in order to uh, uh, make our position known because we're fearful of the fact that we're powerless to do anything about it. Maybe when we're lustful, uh, we're actually fearful that nobody loves us or will ever love us and so that we seek love or pleasure or recognition in in an inappropriate way that just makes things even worse. And maybe when we're prideful, We're actually afraid that no one else is going to acknowledge the good things in us or that we've done uh, so that we will have to take pride in ourselves and be self-promoters in that way. So I want you to spend a bit of 
time this morning thinking about maybe things that you struggle with in terms of the way that you're living your life or or things that you're doing that you may not have connected to fear because the Apostle Paul's trying to tell us that uh, there's a link between our sinful nature and its outworking of it in our life and our slavery to fear that as uh, Carol was pointing out when she mentioned that scripture from 1 John that fear and punishment go together, that a sense that we are separated from God, that, that he is out to get us, that our relationship with him is not right, that's where fear lives. But when the Christian says yes to Jesus as God's solution for that separation, it's time for fear to go. It's time for fear to leave because we've accepted that God has died for us through Jesus, that the Bible says if he's prepared to do that, how will he withhold anything from us that's good? And so therefore there's no room for fear to drive greed or lust or uh, pride or anything of that nature anymore because all of those issues in relation to the things that we need, things that we desire and whatever, that's been taken care of because we are now one with God himself. And if I can remind you about anything here today, I want to remind you and I believe God wants to remind you about the fact that there's nothing that we can hold up to God and say, see, I'm entitled to be afraid. Uh, I need to be afraid and I need, to, I need to actually, I'm justified in my fear because of this or that that you have or haven't done. There's nothing that we can hold up to him that can justify our fear. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, well, that's, that's an interesting idea and I've never made that connection before, but... I don't quite know how it's relevant to me. But I want you to consider for the fact that uh, God, uh, Paul was writing to Christians at that time. He was telling them to be wary of fear, if you like, or to banish fear and not allow fear to control them anymore. He was casting that out. And I know uh, I had an experience, it was a few years ago now, when I was reading Romans chapter 8, where... uh, I felt the Lord say to me, I mean, not audibly, but I really felt the Holy Spirit impress upon my heart and say, David, you are making a lot of decisions out of fear. And I remember it was quite confronting at the time uh, to actually hear that. And I felt God challenge me again about it just in the past 48 hours in preparing to preach this message. And I started to, in the, I believe through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, go through decisions, perhaps recent and and further in the past, and say, that decision I made there, that was made out of fear. Because I was worried that, you know, either this wasn't going to happen or, or this wasn't going to occur or I couldn't or God wouldn't. In some way, that decision was driven in fear. And, you know, if I could ask anything, I want to ask everyone right now to just allow God to lead you for just a few moments' time. I actually pray that you'll take this home with you today and you'll have a time of a stock take. Now, I'm not talking about God listing off your errors for you, 
But I want you to think for a moment about how fear might be driving you right now. It's keeping you from from saying yes to something or it's making you say yes to something that neither of those you need to be involved in because fear, as a follower of Jesus, is not your motivation. It's not what drives us. But there'll be something that you can put your finger on and say, you know, at the moment it's fear that's driving that decision. It's fear that's keeping me from that. And the fear is related in somehow to perhaps God in me working through me or God's goodness or God's graciousness or something that given the truth that's spoken in the word of God, you don't need to be afraid of. And I want to encourage you that. Maybe it's something that's perhaps a little further in the past and you're thinking, oh, that's interesting. I think on that occasion I did that because I was afraid. Now, sometimes that's the past and it is the past and there's nothing much we can change from the past. God can redeem and recover the past. Everything's contained in him and his will for us. But... We need to think about that and, if, and, and make a decision in relation to how we're thinking and feeling today in relation to fear. So I just want to encourage you for that moment. I believe God's going to show everyone here something about fear and how that's driving the moment. Because fear, that's the past. For anyone who said yes to Jesus, we can't justify living in fear. It, it, it's the old story. It's the old person it's, it's what it used to be like and today God is giving us a gift in relation to um, our decision making that's not driven by fear. When I thought about this fear at times that hangs over me or has in the past and I've started to think about, well, where does that spirit of fear come from? Like, what is that? I mean, is it just common to, is it only me is it common to everyone and you know I started to think well maybe it's related to some things that happened in my childhood I spent a bit of time reflecting on that and the truth is there might be things that happened to us when we were younger that caused us to be in a fearful state that perhaps reactivates a fearful state even now as adults when we're older maybe we can identify some things I believe God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can minister to those things and overcome things. Maybe the spirit of fear, if you like, is in the world. So, you know, it's not of God. And we live in a fallen world, even though we're born again and and children of God. You know, there's an atmosphere of fear at times around us. And I must admit, uh, as a former journalist, at times the media takes part, if you like, in the culture of fear. Um, The underlying thing of many media stories, if you reflect on them, is be afraid, be very afraid. Um, A friend of mine used to call the newspaper I worked for, called the news, hands up if you can remember the news newspaper. Okay, only people over 50, and that's fair enough because it closed in 1990. Adelaide used to have an afternoon newspaper, folks, uh, and it was my first job. And uh, it was a tabloid, you know, which they all are now, but, you know, big headlines on the front. The whole purpose was, I need to buy that paper. You know, the the sky's about to fall in. 
uh, something's happened. Uh, it was all based around, you know, I need to pay my, it was 10 cents once upon a time. I think I sold them for 15 down at Target as a little fella. But anyway, I digress. Um, but a friend of mine called the paper the calamity crier. And, and it was a derisory term. Uh, and I think they were probably right. But if you watch the news for long enough or regularly or whatever, perhaps I encourage you once, just do a stock take on, you'll see that the whole thing often is based on the premise, you know, your, your life is going to be dramatically impacted by what I'm trying to tell you. And it's, it's based around often fear. That, that's the underlying current. Be afraid of what we're telling you. Uh, you know, watch again what we're telling you. Come back next night uh, to see, you know, what we're about to tell you. You're, you need uh, to worry about this. And there's a couple of things that I want to say about that. Firstly, um, you need to understand that what makes the news nearly always is based on things that aren't as they should be. So... A very simple example. You're not going to see a story saying, you know, 10,000 uh, husbands and wives loved each other today. Right? They're not going to do a story on that. Uh, they're not going to do a story saying 20 Hollywood celebrities today did not get divorced. Okay? So things that are as they are aren't in the news. But things that aren't as they are dominate. Generally, that qualifies as news. And if we feed only on that, our perception of life and the world becomes one of chaos, of things being not as they are. And if we don't get any, give any attention in ourselves to things that are, if you like, happening as they are or, or happening through the goodness and grace of God, we can end up in a very fearful state. And we may not realise that we're actually doing it, that it's actually happening to us. Sometimes we think, oh, I just you know, watch the news because uh, I'm informing myself. Well, that's fine. It's good to be aware of what's going on. But let me help you out here. If your diet consists only of that and you don't pick up the word of God or any form of encouragement from a fellow brother or sister in Jesus Christ, take your pick, you're going to end up under fear. That, that you're going to succumb... And you're not going to be renewed in God's word and you're going to become a fearful person because your diet's wrong. Your diet's not right. And um, I know when I was a younger kid, I was horrified by horror films. <laughs> they were awful to me. And, um, you know, I consider myself a very unhorrified person these days. But there's almost like sometimes the temptation to watch a horror movie, you know, it's... It's dramatic and, you know, it's, and I often think to myself when I, you know, hear about the premise of the movies is why would you bother? Like who, why create a movie that's horrifying? I couldn't, I can't understand it. It must simply be you're going to pay to watch this, I'm assuming. But I never get, I don't understand, what, like what's the contribution to life as we know it? I don't understand it. But we need to actually say to ourselves, uh, you know, what I'm taking in at the moment is that actually serving the ministry of Satan who's got no role in my life? Who's got no place to upset me and to fear me because I'm God's child? So be aware of that as you're consuming the media uh, and 
you know, it's okay to not watch it. It's okay to, to say I actually fill myself with something else that's not going to make me fearful, that's going to encourage me. Earlier, I think Kathy mentioned Philippians 4.6 and it simply says, do not worry about anything. For the purposes of today's message, we might say, you know, do not fear about everything, but instead pray about everything, telling God what you need and thanking him for what he has done. Another verse that I don't have... Oh, hang on, maybe I do. Philippians 4.6. They do not fear bad news. Here's one for watching the media. <laughs> they confidently trust the Lord to care for them. That's a statement made about God's people. So that's really encouraging as well. That moment when we receive that bad news, how do we respond? The scripture's telling us not to fear bad news, but instead to trust that the Lord cares for them. Now I want to run through quite quickly because we need to get to the end soon. Uh, That list I gave you earlier about things that people fear, I was staggered to discover that God actually speaks to all of them in the scriptures. So public speaking, some people die a thousand deaths with the thought that they have to do that act. Jesus actually anticipated that, especially when it came to giving uh, uh, testimony or witness to him. And he simply said, when you're arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what you'll say. Just say whatever uh, is given to you uh, at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a, a verse that I constantly give to people as an encouragement when they're going to stand before others and, and speak. And I, I'm happy to claim it for not only witnessing, but for any moment that you're called upon to speak before others. It's actually, that sentiment's expressed five different times in the scriptures. So it must have been something that was important to them that Jesus would give them encouragement. This has always been a great encouragement to me as a, as a media operator, as a minister, going overseas to testify and whatever. Notice the encouragement where it says, do not worry beforehand. Sometimes we're worrying about things that haven't even happened yet, (laughs) you know, that aren't even going to occur, but we're filling our minds with fear. So the Lord says, don't worry about it. And then he gives us the encouragement. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to speak through us. In Luke, it's worded slightly differently, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand. There's that encouragement So when we're told to not fear, the Lord says, think about it beforehand and say, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to worry about that for, again, I will give you the words, Jesus says, and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So when it comes to public speaking, if you've ever got to do it, and really it might be speaking in front of 100 people, we often feel the same way when it's us talking in front of one or two but we've got to present a word for Jesus or something like that. Jesus gives us those promises. So that's dealt with. Dying is covered as well. Where we see in Romans chapter 8, John, uh, I did have it there, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, that's, you know, we say, well, Lord, uh, here's a list I'm moving upwards and I've reached death. Surely I can be afraid about that. And the Lord says, no, you can't even put that on the list because even death won't separate you from my love. 
So fear of dying, that's, we cross that off. We've got a verse for that. We've got a promise for that. Financial ruin. Uh, there's probably a few we could chuck at that one, but I've found these in Matthew chapter 6 that have been very important to me. Don't be like them. He's talking about those that, the pagans that just babble and babble and babble and, you know, in their prayer and says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. We can't say to Lord, Lord, I'm just going to be afraid about my financial future, if it's okay. I just, I think it's something I feel like I want to do. I'd like to be afraid. Uh, so is that okay with you? No. <laughs> no, it isn't okay with God. He, he's spoken to this. Jesus, our Lord, has addressed, he knows what we need. He knows what we need. And he goes on later in that chapter. This is my first ever life verse, if if you have such a thing. But this spoke to me a lot as a young man. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When I was trying to work out as a young Christian, what do I do with my life? What do I focus on? What do I go for? Um, Do I build up all of this wealth for my future and devote you know, all of these early years of my life to that and then we'll just find some room for Jesus and serving him later on. For me, the scripture was saying no. Now, friends, I'm not talking about, you know, not being wise and whatever, but putting God and following Jesus on hold for financial reasons because of a fear of financial ruin, you're not going to be able to read the Bible and get away with that. The Holy Spirit's going to work that out of you. That fear's gone, chucked out. Look at that, spiders and snakes. I've even got a scripture for that. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Now, I thought I'd better put the NIV study Bible note in there. May not have been talking about literal snakes and scorpions. So please don't go outside and pick one up. Uh, Perhaps they was talking about the enemy of Satan. But hey, look, we've got a verse for that as well. So those list of fears, the Bible's got something to say about all fear, whatever. I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 41 and uh, I was very excited when I was quizzing Judy this morning about verses on fear. She often gets to review my sermons late or early on a Sunday and uh, she said, what about Isaiah 41? She showed me the book and I said, hey, I've already got that. It simply starts, this is Isaiah 41 verse 10. I'm going to show it to you in a minute from the message but I want to read it to you first from the NIV. It simply starts like this, so do not fear. That's just a command. Do not fear. Why? For I am with you, says the Lord. That's just it. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So it's interesting. God's going straight into one of our fears Our inadequacy. I can't do this. God says, I'm I'm not listening. I'm going to strengthen you. And I'm going to help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you'll not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. How's that? Takes our hand and says, do not fear. I 
will help you. If you struggle with memory verses, I'll just give you those last four words. I will help you. (laughs) Just go with that one. In the message it says, don't panic, I'm with you. There's no need to fear for I'm your God. I'll give you strength, I'll help you, I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. Count on it. Everyone who had it in for you will end up out in the cold, real losers. Those who worked against you will end up empty-handed, nothing to show for their lives. When you go out looking for old adversaries, you won't find them. Not a trace of your old enemies, not even a memory. That's right. Because I'm your God, have a firm grip on you and I'm not letting you go. I'm telling you, don't panic. I'm right here to help you. Dr. E. Stanley Jones puts it this way, I am inwardly fashioned for faith and not for fear. Fear is not my native land, faith is. I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt or anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath. These are not my native air. But in faith and confidence I breathe freely and these are my native air. A doctor says we do not know why it is that warriors die sooner than non-warriors, but that is a fact. But I, who am simple of mind, think I know. We are inwardly constructed in nerve and tissue, brain, cell and soul for faith and not fear. God made us that way to live by worry is to live against reality. So often we think that the opposite is true, that we worry because we're real. But in fact, it's the opposite, especially for the follower of Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 18, we'll finish on this, says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And we don't make ourselves perfect in love. Jesus does that. Jesus speaks to us this morning through his love and his Holy Spirit and he desires to make us perfect. Let's close our eyes and let's just pray together before we have a time of ministry and worship here this morning. Father, we thank you for the fact that you have made us for faith and not for fear. Lord, there seems to be so many things that come against us, that tempt us to fear, that try to unsettle us or upset us. And Father, this morning, all of us say to you today, help us put down fear today. Help us to let go of fear and instead to be filled with faith and with love. Lord, I thank you for the fact that You have cast out fear. You have given us a reason to be filled with love and faith. But Lord, we ask this morning that you would help us be released from fear. And Father, I'm praying especially today for those who are here this morning, perhaps who are very well aware of the effect that fear has on them, but also for those who have become aware this morning without really thinking about it previously, that fear has been driving some of their decisions, that that fear has been affecting them. 
And Lord, I pray this morning that everyone here today would become perfect in your love, that would leave fear behind, that would be released from fear, totally, absolutely, always, would know that there's no room for fear in the life of the child of God. And Lord, for those that need to break through in your love this morning, perhaps they need to accept you, and say yes to you for the first time, who don't want to live a life of fear anymore. Father, I pray, help them to break through and to make that decision. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your grace and your mercy. We say, Lord, fill us with love today and cast out fear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, folks. I'm going to ask you all now to stand to your feet. And I'm going to ask our team to lead us uh, in our final song. And I want to ask our prayer ministry team to come forward. And I want to also ask anyone here this morning who has really felt, you know, I think I need prayer in that particular area of my life. I need to be released from this fear today. Maybe it was a fear that we've spoken about. Maybe it's not, but it's something that you think, you know, I want to just really leave behind this morning. If that's you, I encourage you to come to the front to receive prayer from our prayer ministry team. And let's deal with that now. You might have another prayer need that's got to do with healing or or provision or might be related to fear and may not be. But we want to pray for you as well. So I encourage you as the team leads us this morning, come straight away. Let's pray over that thing. Get someone to stand with you. And just let's pray over that thing that's causing you that anxiety and that fear and say, Lord, Cast it out in Jesus' name. As our team leads us, let's do that now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.